WABC New York and 1071 WLIR Hampton Bays. It's the 77 WABC News Hour. Talking the news with Noah Layden. All the news you need to know with Joe Nolan, Traffic, Justin Ellick, Sports, Lou Dobbs, Business. And now, talking the news with Noah on 77 WABC. Yep, that's me. Five o'clock. Good morning. It is Wednesday, May 10th. Your forecast from the Ramsey Mazda Weather Center. Sunshine today. Just a beauty on the way. High 71. Tonight, overnight clear, low 56, and then Thursday, sunny and hot. The high is going to be 82, more summer-like. If you're walking out the door with us right now, 44 and clear in Pleasantville up in Westchester, 45 and clear in Piscataway in New Jersey, and it's 50 and clear here in Midtown. A lot to get to as we work our way up to the 6 o'clock hour, Sid and friends in the morning. I always say I learned so much in the dog park in terms of what people are really talking about. Sometimes you get caught in this news bubble of trying to decide what is important to people. So when I took the dog yesterday afternoon, after the uh, Trump verdict had come down, after we talked about migrants all day, um, uh, we had spoken um, uh, the, some of the Santos stuff had come out, which we'll get to as the morning wears on. I thought, okay, you know, who knows where this conversation will go at the dog park today. The only thing anybody wanted to talk about when I got there was Robert De Niro. I don't know if you missed this because this got sort of scuttled missed during uh, the news day yesterday. But um, page six yesterday announced that the 79-year-old De Niro revealed that he has a baby on the way um, that uh, his with his girlfriend, Tiffany Chen. Uh, and uh, actually, no, the baby was born. So he's got a new child and uh, he's 79 years old. He's got, uh, let's see, six other kids. Oh, the oldest one is close in age to me. Uh, the oldest one is 51 years old. His youngest one is 11 years old. Um, and now he's got a new baby. And uh, everybody in the dog park was sort of, I would say, uh, across the board just outraged by this. And why? Because they said it isn't ethical. And it's not correct to become a dad at 79 on purpose. We don't know because Robert De Niro uh, never gives interviews or very rarely. And when he does, they're usually kind of bizarre and all over the place. He does not like talking about himself. But uh, they say it's not right for a 79-year-old guy to become a father. It's not right to the kid. I kind of agree with that. Uh, but we don't know if it was on purpose. Did they use someone else's sperm? We don't know that. Will he leave money to take care of this kid? He's not married to this woman. Don't know. But I thought it was awfully interesting that the people were so upset about this. They said it's not ethical. This kid should have a parent. And at 79, he won't be around for a lot of this kid's life, right? I mean, maybe by the time he's 5 or 10, it wouldn't be crazy that De Niro wouldn't be around anymore. Anyway. That's what people were talking about, the dog park. We got a lot of important news. We're going to get into that right now. The top five at five. The jury has spoken in the Donald Trump E. Jean Carroll case. Congressman George Santos could be in a lot of trouble. A subway rider says he tried to help Jordan Neely. Orange County now saying they won't help house migrants sent to the Big Apple. 
and a Long Island high school says it's going to drop its Native American mascot. All right, let's get into it. 504, we'll start with E. Jean Carroll, who says the world finally knows the truth after a verdict in her New York civil case, Lower Manhattan, against former President Trump. Her reaction came after a jury yesterday found the former president liable for sexually abusing and defaming Carroll. She said she filed the lawsuit to clear her name and get her life back. The writer claimed Trump had raped her in a Manhattan department store dressing room back in the 1990s and then defamed her years later by denying it. But the jury said Trump was not liable for rape. He denied the allegations, calling the verdict yesterday a disgrace and the case a continuation of what he says is the greatest witch hunt of all time. Trump has been ordered to pay Carol $5 million in damages. Trump's lawyer, Joe Tacopina, who, by the way, will be on Sid and Friends in the morning this morning, says he's happy his client is not branded as a rapist. Donald Trump's attempt to have the, the dress tested for DNA after they sent it into a lab and didn't come up with semen, I think that's something that was important. Takabina says he's weighing his options in regards to an appeal of the case. We're in one sense gratified, and I know some people in this camp are very happy that, you know, the rape claim was rejected, but I'm not happy that he was found liable for anything whatsoever. In a case where there's a very strong reaction people would have to politicians, particularly Donald Trump, one way or another, we should have been able to tell something about the background of these people. Yeah, the jurors were picked on the same day as opening arguments. Tacopina, again, going to be on Sin and Friends in the morning at uh, 8 o'clock this morning. Meanwhile, legal analyst Laurie Jarrett says the jury in the case had a chance to determine any compensation, which they did. They had made a specific strategic move not to ask for a specific dollar amount, and the jury has come up with these numbers in the millions now, including punitive damages. Yeah, $5 million. Because it's, of course, a civil case, Trump does not face any jail time. The jury only took three hours to deliberate. Relatively short, given the stakes against the former president. He has denied all of the allegations vehemently. He said he didn't even know who she was, much less attack her. Of course, uh, everybody weighing in on this, inform, including former Vice President Mike Pence, who says he doesn't think most Americans really care about this case. It's just one more instance where, at a time when American families are struggling, when our economy is hurting, when the world seems to become a more dangerous place uh, almost every day, that um, it's uh, it's just one more story uh, focusing on my former running mate. No way to know whether this will hurt the uh, former res- pre- uh, former president as he runs for the White House again. A new poll, though, that came out yesterday before this verdict came down, shows former President Trump dominating still the 2024 Republican primary field. This is from the Morning Consult. The survey release found 60 percent of Republican voters support Trump's bid for the GOP nomination for president. It's his largest lead yet over his current and potential opponents. Florida Governor Ron DeSantis way back there. So Trump at 60 percent, DeSantis at 19 percent, and then followed by former uh, Vice President Mike Pence and conservative entrepreneur Vivek Ramaswamy with 5 percent each. DeSantis and Pence, by the way, have yet to officially jump into the race. The poll, however, showed President Biden with two points over Trump in a hypothetical general election matchup. And uh, former President Trump is set to appear tonight in a CNN town hall forum in New Hampshire. Trump will take questions from local Republicans and undeclared voters ahead of uh, the primary season. The event will air nine o'clock tonight. And then, of course, tomorrow, 
the president will be on Sid and Friends in the morning. So you'll get to see him tonight and then, of course, hear him live right here on 77 WABC. WABC News Time 509, important day yesterday for law enforcement. The name of police officers who died in 2022, forever enshrined in a New York State memorial wall. Let's get the latest now on that live now from 77 WABC's Alex Barnard. Good morning, Alex. Good morning, Noman. Yes, that's right. Governor Hochul spoke at the annual police memorial ceremony where 60 names were added to the wall. I'm acknowledging we lost the good ones. We lost the brave ones, the selfless ones. And I want you to know, we'll never take for granted the life they chose, how that life ended. You may never see the faces of those that they comforted in their time of need or even rescued save their own lives. You're not going to know that, but know it's real. 13 of the officers died in the line of duty, while the others died to 9-11 related illnesses or injuries. The names of NYPD detectives Jason Rivera and Wilbert Mora, who were killed in a Brooklyn ambush, are on the wall, along with Yonkers detective Frank Gaudino, who was killed in a head-on collision. Rochester police officer Anthony Mazurkowitz, who was shot in the line of duty, was also honored. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Sad an important day for officers uh, everywhere, but uh, thank you, WABC's Alex Barnard, very much. Five eleven, the White House. Let's go to the southern border. The White House threatening to veto a House Republican bill aimed at cracking down on the flow of migrants at the U.S.-Mexico border. National Border Patrol Council Vice President Art Del Cueto says some action has to be taken because. The current situation along the southwest border is not sustainable. This administration has created that magnet for just anyone to come across, ask for asylum, uh, and they get awards, so they get released in the United States. And that's part of the problem. You know, you have people coming across with no consequences for it. So the administration argues the Secure the Border Act introduced last week would cut off access to humanitarian protections for migrants, make processing less efficient slash funding for programs and help the government's deal with incoming migrants. I am 100 percent for, uh, you know, uh, legal immigration, but just individuals just coming across and just everyone getting released. That is not something that not only can, can it not be sustained at the border, but it's something that this country cannot sustain either. And illegal immigration at the southern border just climbing this week already. Federal agents catching nearly 9,000 people a day. The process released onto the streets causing just a huge strain. Social service agencies that provide shelter. So we are trying to actually hire more staff, more uh, security, food, even a tent to uh, accommodate more people. That's Antonio Fernandez with Catholic Charities says the biggest concern is actually sanitation. He says these asylum seekers travel many miles, and that's leading to some health concerns. In one shelter in El Paso, there have been outbreaks of chicken pox, bed bugs, the wave, of course, of illegal immigration expected to crest later this week when Title 42 expires. That's actually tomorrow. A big issue for me since the beginning has been sanitation. How do we sanitize everything? You know, so every day we sanitize. Safety and cleanliness is very, very important to us because we want to ensure the public safety of clients that we have, the people, but also the employees that we have there. 
And, of course, it's not just Texas, other border states. The governor of Arizona says her state will face incredible challenges now with people, more of those migrants coming across the border. During my meeting with sheriffs, I heard the devastating impact of federal inaction on our public safety. Democratic Governor Katie Hobbs says she's witnessed firsthand the capacity challenges already faced at temporary migrant shelters. Arizona communities will face incredible challenges trying to deal with the influx of people entering the country. And she says the Biden administration just acting way too slow. With Title 42 set to expire in just two days, it doesn't appear that the federal government is prepared. And New York City trying to find ways to house the thousands of migrants expected to start arriving here after Title 42 expires tomorrow. CBS got hold of this confidential memo that says the city is even considering closing large sections of city streets for temporary housing. If apparently they were to go that route, they would bring in rehabbed shipping containers or tiny houses. Again, they would put them on the streets. Others uh, would go into public school gymnasiums. And according to this memo, they say that's because they have kitchens and dining facilities nearby. Um, it's a temporary fix. Christine Quinn, of course, who was the head of the city council for years, she's now the head of Wynn, which shelters homeless families. Uh, she's telling CBS a long-term solution for these migrants would be renovating some of the empty, rent-stabilized apartments across the city. The idea of going and helping landlords and renovating rent-protected apartments that could become affordable, really low-rent, affordable apartments for migrants is a great one. Also, looking at any of the units that are vacant in the housing authority. Yeah, I uh, was watching some of these buses come in yesterday to the Port Authority. The numbers were at 200. Now those numbers are expected to escalate. Cities hoping for help from the American Red Cross and the federal government so far. They've gotten really almost nothing from the federal government. And in a moment, we're going to hear what they're doing in uh, counties outside of New York City to stop this flow from coming there. But first at 515, let's head over to the 77 WABC Sports Desk. We say good morning, Justin Ellen. Well, good morning and happy hump day to you, Gnome Layden. Starting on the diamond here, the Yankees, they continue to take advantage of the lowly Oakland Athletics taking the middle game of a three-game set last night by a score of 10 to 5 at the stadium despite three home runs from Oakland rookie Jordan Diaz the Yankees once again outpowered the A's with 10 hits on the night including big homers from Jake Bowers and Glaber Torres and Glaber swings and hits one deep to left field that goes Kemp on the track at the wall she's gone Ran out of room in left field. His second homer in his many nights. <laughs> it is it's Labor Day. day. <laughs> like a good Labor. Torres is there. It's a two-run home run to left field, and the Yankees take a 7-2 lead. <laughs> it's like a bad dad joke. <laughs> yeah, I know. Day, yeah. They just get better and better. They really do. That call, courtesy of WFAN and John Sterling. The Bombers will go for the sweep this afternoon at a bit of a peculiar time, with first pitch being scheduled for 12.35 p.m. this afternoon. Johnny Brito gets the ball against Oakland's Kyle Muller. Now for the Mets, who suffered their third straight loss and their 12th in 15 games with a 7-6 L coming last night in Cincinnati against the Reds. Manager Buck Showalter did his best to let a fire under his guys by getting ejected from the ball game in the fifth inning, but it was to no avail, and the Mets now fall two games under 500. That's 17-19 and, and sit eight games back of the first-place Atlanta Braves 
They'll try and get back in the win column in tonight's middle game with since he's scheduled for 640 with Justin Verlander taking the hill against the Reds. Hunter Green on the ice in Jersey. The Devils failed to show up in game four against the Carolina Hurricanes getting absolutely eviscerated by a score of 6-1 to one to fall behind three games to one in the series and put themselves on the brink of elimination. We'll see what kind of desperation the Devs bring to the table for that game five elimination game set for tomorrow night back in carolina in the nba the 76ers beat the celtics 115 to 103 to take a three games to two advantage in the east semifinals and the nuggets take down the suns 118 to 102 to go up three to two in that west semifinals bout tonight your new york knicks have their backs against the wall when they welcome in the miami heat for a 7 30 p.m game five tip-off new york is playing for their season currently down three games to one here with sports on 77 wabc i'm justin ellick 520 uh we were talking about the uh, migrants uh being bussed into the city here and of course there's been this move over the last couple days to move some of those migrants from the city where we can't apparently handle them all that are coming in and move them into hotels in nearby counties like rockland county you heard right here 77 wabc rockland county executive ed day pushing back hard against that during the rob astorino show over the weekend uh even suggesting he would strangle mayor adams if he tried to move some of the migrants into a hotel there um in um rockland county uh, there is mixed reaction in Newburgh, where a hotel is apparently going to take dozens of migrants on a motel, one location under consideration by the Adams administration as a place to house the migrants arriving in the city. So people there uh, in Newburgh kind of mixed reaction. Some say they're OK with it. Others wonder how the decisions are being made. I think Mayor Adams should have talked to other people first before just deciding to do almost as bad as what Greg Abbott did out of Texas. Yeah, I guess it kind of is the same thing that Greg Abbott is doing, sending them here, and now we're going to send them to Orange County. Orange County Executive Steve Newhouse has declared a state of emergency. Uh, He wants to know exactly if we are sending the migrants there, who they are. Right now, we have no idea who these people are. We have no idea what their backgrounds. Are they criminals, or are they just people trying to look for a better life, which is a typical immigrant story? Right now, we have no information. Orange County's declaration follows the similar action. Rockland County, where New York City seeking to relocate over 300 migrants at a motel in Orangeburg. Local officials in both counties and across the state, for that matter, have asked Governor Hochul to intervene to avoid a possible confrontation between New York City and Westchester, New York City and Rockland County, New York City and Orange County. We are in communication with the mayor's team and also helping him find locations within the city limits again opening up state property and talking to other counties that are that are interested in having people come boy it is just a mess no uh both at the southern border and now here in new york is uh, a sanctuary city uh, we're taking on thousands of those migrants who are crossing the border from mexico into the u.s 522 let's go down to dc there's no movement towards a deal to raise the debt ceiling everybody in this meeting reiterated the positions they were at I didn't see any new movement. House Speaker Kevin McCarthy there. President Biden met with congressional leaders yesterday at the White House trying to reach an agreement to raise the nation's borrowing limit before the start of June. But Republicans say not a whole lot came out of this sit-down. Unfortunately, the president has waited 97 days without ever meeting. The president said the staff should get back together, but I was very clear with the president. We have now just two weeks to go. Yeah, so President Biden didn't see the meeting as being so bad. He says, um, you know, the talks were semi-productive. America is not a deadbeat nation. We pay our bills, and avoiding default 
is a basic duty of the United States Congress. Yeah, so he spoke after this congressional or meeting with congressional Republicans, Democrats at the White House. We agree to continue our discussions, and we're going to meet again on Friday. In the meantime, our staffs are going to meet today and uh, daily between now and then, and everyone in the meeting understood the risk of default. Our economy would fall into a significant recession. Yeah, uh, the president reiterating that default is off the table. He told McCarthy that yesterday at the White House. I told congressional leaders that I'm prepared to begin a separate discussion about my budget and the spending priorities, but not under the threat of default. Meanwhile, the president is actually flying here to New York today, going to be in Westchester, where he'll probably be discussing raising that debt ceiling. President Biden is set to speak at SUNY Westchester Community College in Valhalla this afternoon. The White House says he'll talk about why Congress must avoid default immediately and without conditions and how the Republican debt limit proposal would cut veterans' health care visits, teachers and school support staffs, as well as Meals on Wheels for seniors. Afterwards, the president will head to New York City, where the White House says he will take part in camp receptions. I'm Bob Brown for 77 WABC News. 524 investigators in Texas confirming that the gunman who murdered eight people at that shopping mall near Dallas had links to white supremacy. He had neo-Nazi ideation. He had patches. He had tattoos. Even his signature, you know, verified that. Yeah, sounds like a lovely guy. Hank Sibley with the Texas Department of Public Safety stopping short of calling it an act of domestic terrorism. He says the gunman able to legally buy the murder weapons he used, even though uh, he'd been kicked out of the army over mental health issues. A Russian social media site actually links the gunman uh, with a shows a selfie rather of uh, this guy with a swastika tattoo and posts that show a deeply uh, deep affinity for Nazi culture. We are trying to get into his computer and on social media and find out, you know, whether he had any anything that he publicized or been out. He was very random in the people he killed. It didn't matter the age, race or sex. He just shot people. Yeah, and Texas Governor Greg Abbott wanting to know why this uh, guy did not get mental health services that he probably had coming to him. He said there should be more of a focus on mental health after this mall shooting. It's not all because of mental health. It's because some people are just evil. And when they get the instruments that are readily available, then it perpetuates the type of violence that we saw. Yeah, that doesn't sound like Greg Abbott. That's somebody in the state legislature in Texas talking about that. Well, saying they have to do a better job getting those mental health services to people who need them. 525, let's bring it back here to New York. Long Island Congressman George Santos has been charged by the Department of Justice. Santos charged by federal prosecutors in the Eastern District of New York. This was last night. According to sources familiar with the matter, the charges are under seal. But for months, investigators have been sifting through campaign finance irregularities. Last night, Santos's political opponents demanded he resign from Congress. Uh, here's Robert Zimmerman, who was the Democrat who ran against Santos, and Nassau County legislator Josh Lafazin, who condemned Santos for having the nerve to announce he was running again in light of all the lies he made during the campaign. George Santos has shown himself to be a sociopath. Now it's incumbent upon Kevin McCarthy, the Republican leadership, all to join together and demand that he be expelled from Congress. And if they don't do it, then they are as guilty as he is. George Santos needs to be indicted tomorrow. Republicans and Democrats need to come together, quite frankly, to save the integrity of democracy and to send this fraud packing into retirement. You're familiar with the story. Santos lied just about everything on the campaign trail. Uh, Voters in his district say they're curious to see what he's going to be charged with. I'm glad he needs to be gone. That's, That's my opinion. It's about time. 
I mean, then the system works. What else can he ask for? He's found guilty, then he should be, he should resign. Anybody that's found guilty of a crime that's in politics should resign. But everybody's proven innocent until proven guilty. House Speaker Kevin McCarthy taking that same thought. Uh, he's going to wait and see how this all plays out. So I think in America you're innocent until proven guilty. But what, what we've watched in past behavior here, too, when there was another member indicted, I removed committee. I never put Santos on any committee. That member did get not just indicted but was found guilty. I told him he had to resign. I would keep that same with any member here, whether you're a Republican or a Democrat. All right, so we should know the charges today because Santos is expected to appear as soon as today as federal court here in New York in the Eastern District. I'm just getting started on this Wednesday morning. We're going to get jump into the Jordan Neely case. Daniel Penny, uh, the grand jury expected to hear some of this case sometime this week. We just don't know when. But D.A. Alvin Bragg actually speaking out. So we'll hear from him before the uh, morning is out. Out on Long Island, they have dropped the name of a Native American mascot, but it's going to cost them thousands of dollars to do. We'll get into that before the morning is over. And school suspensions are surging in Jersey City. Wait till you hear how many people have been suspended just this year. We'll get into that and more, but first this at 530. The 77 WABC News Hour. Talking the news with Noah Layden on 77 WABC. Talk Radio 77 WABC. Talking the news with Noah on 77 WABC. This is the 77 WABC News Hour with Noah Layden. Yep, that's me, 532. It is Wednesday, May 10th. Good morning. Your forecast from the Ramsey Mazda Weather Center. Sunshine today, just a beauty. High 71. Tonight, overnight clear, low 56. And then Thursday, downright summer-like. Sunny and hot, high 82. If you're walking out the door with us, so happy you are. 44 and clear up in Pleasantville and Westchester County. 45 and clear in Piscataway, New Jersey. And it is 50 and clear here in Midtown. We'll start right here in the city this half hour with the Jordan Neely story. Another rider who was on the train with Jordan Neely and uh, Daniel Penny speaking out. Johnny Grimma says he watched the incident, the chokehold incident, from another train car and then came over and he says he tried to help out, maybe to defuse the situation. There's lots of people who are saying they're not totally sure that was the case, but that's what he claims, Johnny Grimma. I went to pour a little water on uh, on uh, Jordan Neely's head and um, Daniel Penny came up and uh, told me to stop. Grimma says he was regrets walking away because he says other riders told him Neely had a pulse as he lied there on the ground. He also spoke about Daniel Penny, the man accused of choking him. Neely uh, had a history of cycling out of psychiatric facilities and jail. And that's where Mayor Adams says the system and the city failed Jordan Neely. My heart breaks when we lost young Jordan. We cannot be so thoughtful on talking about merely how this young man died without answering the question, how was he living? And Manhattan DA Alvin Bragg speaking out for the first time about this case says uh, the office is investigating what took place. Sometimes people peer into the silence uh, and, and, and look at that as if, uh, well, the office isn't doing anything where it's not important. It's quite the contrary. 
Yeah, and sources say Neely was on this unofficial list of the top 50 most endangered homeless people in the subway system. So you might ask the obvious question, what was he doing down below? But lacked the services that might have intervened before he crossed paths with Penny. Neely's has at least 40 prior arrests, many for incidents in the subway. Uh, his family announcing his funeral will take place May 19th at a Baptist church in Harlem. They've asked the Reverend Al Sharpton to deliver his eulogy on that day. 534, we were telling you about this story yesterday. So incredibly tragic. A woman, a teenager, killed in an East New York, Brooklyn fire yesterday that the FDNY says is suspicious. The flames breaking out in the Fountain Avenue apartment building about 2 in the morning. When firefighters arrived just minutes later, the stairway was completely engulfed. We did arrive, like I said, in 2 minutes and 21 seconds. I think the fire at the front door and the fire up the stairwell itself, we aggressively obviously made searches and removed all victims pretty quickly. A 36-year-old woman found unconscious inside. She died at the scene. A 17-year-old thought to be maybe the daughter, they're not really saying, but who lived in the home. She died at the hospital a short time later. Neighbors uh, praying for three other kids who are still in the hospital today that they recover. You don't want that to happen to none of your kids or nothing? Like, like it's, it's just heartbreaking, man. It is heartbreaking. Fire investigators say it looks like someone purposely set this fire in the stairwell so nobody could escape. Uh, investigators, of course, trying to sort through who might be behind all of that. 536, uh, a woman in custody in Puerto Rico after two NYU MBA students were shot to death there over the weekend. They were just in the wrong place at the wrong time. NYU students reacting to the deaths of Franco Medina and Sergio Ruiz. It's really sad to see a life being taken away like this. They were hard workers. It seemed like they were kind-hearted people, and they were just, uh, unfortunately, in the wrong place at the wrong time. Yeah, police say they were caught in the crossfire following a dispute between a woman who is now under arrest and a security guard outside of a bar. These two uh, students were there so celebrating the end of the school year. The students were on this group trip in San Juan at a nightclub in the early morning hours when those bullets rang out. A GoFundMe has been set up at the school to help those families pay for the funerals of those two, um, Fran- Franco Medina and Sergio Ruiz. WABC News Time 538. New York City making a major change on how reading is going to be taught in schools in order to get more students reading proficient. Our primary goal is to ensure that every child will be on grade level no later than the third grade. So schools Chancellor David Banks says the New York City Reads campaign focuses classroom instruction on the proven science of reading and phonics-based methods. That's how I was taught, phonics-based methods. I guess they're going old school. It'll be rolled out over the next couple of school years, starting with early childhood education. More than half of New York City students are not reading at grade level right now, which is pretty frightening. We must give children the basic foundational skills of reading, teach them to sound out words, teach them to decode complex letter combinations, and build them into confident readers so the issue is the current method of teaching is, or reading rather, is just not working. 51% of our elementary school students not reading proficiently. And if you just think about that, it's yeah. a travesty and a, really an indictment on the work that we do. It is, sure is. 540, the FDNY says people just not getting the message about these lithium-ion batteries. 
expressing concerns over those fatal fires that are started by these lithium-ion batteries, these second-rate ones anyway. The FDNY Commissioner Laura Cavanaugh says so far this year, fires from these types of batteries have claimed the lives of seven New Yorkers, surpassing the total from all of last year. But as many times as they put out the message, she said people are still buying these second-rate chargers and batteries, and yeah, it's causing fires. So far this year, we have 76 fires, 60 injuries, and seven deaths due to these batteries. So the FDNY going to release this public service announcement about the dangers of these batteries in hopes of educating the public. Out to my hometown of Jersey City with some frightening numbers. School suspensions surging in Jersey City. Psychologist Dr. Harris Straitner thinks that social media is in part to blame for this surge. You're seeing a tremendous amount of violence on the Internet. You're seeing all kinds of things on TikTok. That could account for some of the violence. There were about 500 students suspended in March. That's just March. And suspensions are up 140% since September, many of which for fights, for violent behavior. The superintendent, Dr. Norma Fernandez, says online platforms like TikTok that glorify fighting and aggressive verbal altercations are influencing many of their kids' behavior. School officials also think students are still feeling the impact, mental health issues, from the COVID uh, lockdown. I think there's probably a lot to that. Imagine how they feel like if they're all getting suspended, all getting the fights, like how their ego would be like, oh, I'm just a bad kid. Yeah, so uh, they're trying to sort this all out, but it hasn't been easy. Out to Suffolk County. Community members in Suffolk County joined by elected officials to bring awareness to the growing fentanyl crisis. Parents who lost children and representatives from the Alcohol and Drug Dependence Treatment Community Program gathering yesterday to sound the alarm about the deadly crisis that's still claiming so many lives, not just in Suffolk County, but across the nation. I lost my son, Alex. I lost my brother 30 years ago. I lost my daughter, Lisa. I discovered her lifeless body in her bedroom. I just recently lost my son April 4th of this year. He was 28 years old. Yeah, so emotional. Uh, The number one killer right now for kids 18 to 28, I'll call them kids even though 28's an adult, the emotion still raw for Joanne who lost her son Spencer exactly five weeks ago. I lost my son Alex. I lost my brother 30 years ago. Oh, okay, wait, wait, this is me, her. Illicit fentanyl claims one... Oh, sorry, I thought we had that, but anyway, more than 1,500 people die uh, per week from opioid overdoses in the U.S., that according to the National Center for Health Statistics, and these parents, these brave parents who came out to speak out yesterday who had lost their kids to fentanyl overdoses, so they don't want to see anybody else going through this. Illicit fentanyl claims one life every eight and a half minutes. We need laws to hold doctors responsible for overprescribed. There was a heroin crisis back in the 80s and before that in the 60s. And then we had crack cocaine. Yeah, and it just doesn't seem to end. While we're out on Long Island, 
The Syosset School District, latest school district on Long Island, to comply with a state order to remove Native American mascots and imagery. The school board voted unanimously this week to get rid of its Braves mascot and the name. I believe Syosset adopted the Braves mascot with the best of intentions. However, we must recognize that in 2023, holding on to the Braves mascot is not acting in best intentions. There were a lot of parents in town who were really upset about this. Not sure if they showed up to the public meeting but they say they should be able to keep the mask and the people that it's offending i mean find somebody find something else to get offended by there's a lot worse things going on in the world than mascot i think it's ridiculous i think it's a waste of money just leave it the way it is it's been that way for years this is the big issue though the school board says what comes next is finding out a way to make the state pay for these changes right it's not just one thing to change the name you got to change over everything it's estimated that the football field in syosa just alone that would cost seventy thousand dollars to make the changes because they have the mascot and the name all over it and uh, this one kid who spoke to news 12 i think he sort of got it right he's that he wanted to hear from Native Americans themselves to see how they feel about these mascot names. If we could hear someone who, like, directly gets offended by it rather than, like, hearing, like, a bunch of people who aren't part of that culture that say they get offended. Yeah, I think that's not a bad question to ask. The State Education Department banning all team names, logos, and mascots using Native American imagery. This was during a meeting last night. The move affects more than a dozen districts just on Long Island itself. The districts have till the 2024-25 school year to make changes or they're going to risk losing some state funding. 545 now. Let's head over to the 77 WABC Sports Desk and Justin Ellick. Thank you, Noam Layden. We'll start here on the Diamond. Yanks continue to take advantage of the lowly Oakland Athletics, taking the middle game of a three-game set last night by score of 10-5 to at the stadium. Despite three homers from Oakland rookie Jordan Diaz, the Yankees once again outpowered the A's with 10 hits on the night, including big bombs from Jake Bowers and Glaber Torres. And Glaber swings and hits one deep to left field. Back goes Kemp on the track. At the wall, she's gone! Kemp ran out of room in left field. His second homer in his many nights. <laughs> it is Glaber Day. Glaber Day. Oh. <laughs> and like a good like, like a good Glaber. He's going to be there. there. He's going to be there. It's now. a two-run <laughs> home run to left field. And the Yankees take a 7-2 lead. That laugh's a little creepy. Yeah. I know. <laughs> yeah, it's, like, it's almost like they got him aroused, you know? Yeah. <laughs> it wouldn't surprise me, to be honest with you. <laughs> the call courtesy of WFAN, the great John Sterling. The Bombers will go for the street this afternoon at a bit of a peculiar time, Gnome, with first pitch being scheduled for 12.35 p.m. this afternoon. Johnny Burrito gets the ball going up against Oakland's Kyle Muller. Now for the Mets, who suffered their third straight loss and their 12th in 15 games with a 7-6 L coming last night in Cincinnati against the Reds. Manager Buck Showalter did his best to light a fire under his guise by getting ejected from the ball game in the fifth the inning. <laughs> but it was to no avail, and the Mets now fall two games under 500 at 17-19, and 19, and they currently sit eight games back on the first place Atlanta Braves. They'll try and get back in the win column in tonight's middle game with Cincy scheduled for 640. Justin Verlander taking the hill against the Reds. Hunter Green on the ice in Jersey. The Devils Failed to show up in Game 4 against the Carolina Hurricanes, getting eviscerated by a score of 6-1 to one to fall behind three games to one in the series and put themselves on the brink of elimination. We'll see 
what kind of desperation they bring to the table for that Game 5 elimination game set to, uh, for tomorrow night in Carolina. And in the NBA, finally here, the 76ers beat the Celtics 115-103 to to take a three games to two advantage in the East semifinals. And the Nuggets take down the Suns 118-102 to go up 3-2 to in that West semifinals bout. Tonight, your New York Knickerbockers have their backs against the wall when they welcome in the Miami Heat for a 7.30 p.m. Game 5 tip-off. New York is playing for their season. Currently down three games to one. Here with sports on 77 WABC. I'm Justin Ellis. All right, let's catch you up on some of the biggest stories of the morning. E. Jean Carroll says the world finally knows the truth after a verdict in her New York civil case against former President Trump. Her reaction coming after a jury yesterday found the former president liable for sexually abusing and defaming Carroll. She said she filed the lawsuit to clear her name, get her life back. The writer claimed Trump raped her in a Manhattan department store dressing room back in the 1990s and then defamed her years later by denying it. But the jury says Trump was not liable for rape. He denied the allegations, calling the verdict yesterday a disgrace in the case, a continuation of the greatest witch hunt of all time. Donald Trump's attorney, Joe Tacopina, says he's happy his client is not being branded a rapist. Donald Trump's attempt to have the, the dress tested for DNA after they sent it into a lab and didn't come up with semen, I think that's something that was important. So Takapina now weighing his options with regards to an appeal. We're in one sense gratified, and I know some people in this camp are very happy that, you know, the rape claim was rejected, but I'm not happy that he was found liable for anything whatsoever. In a case where there's a very strong reaction people would have to politicians, particularly Donald Trump, one way or another, we should have been able to tell something about the background of these people. He's talking about the jury members there. Takapina going to be on live with Sid, Sid and Friends yeah. in the morning at 8.05 yes, this morning. Will. Yes, right. he will. And uh, look, again, just don't got to be Alan Dershowitz, Joe Takapina, Arthur Idala. All three, I believe, will join me today to figure out if, in fact, he did not commit the rape, and that's exactly what the jury said, how do you hold him responsible for defamation? The answer is you can't. It makes no sense. That whole verdict yesterday was nonsense nonsense and any decent appellate attorney will have it thrown out that's going to be the case all right we'll have to hear from joe later today uh former vice president mike pence says he doesn't think most americans are focused on this case it's just one more instance where at a time when american families are struggling when our economy is hurting when the world seems to become a more dangerous place uh almost every day that um it's uh it's just one more story uh focusing on my former running mate and uh, Trump set to appear, CNN Town Hall Forum tonight in New Hampshire. So I imagine we'll hear more from him. Trump going to take questions from local Republicans, undeclared voters. And then tomorrow, he'll be right here, 77 WABC, sit in Friends in the Morning, 8.05. So you'll want to tune in for that. The other big story of the morning, and will be the big story, no doubt, of the day. Long Island Congressman George Santos charged by the Department of Justice, charged by federal prosecutors, Eastern District of New York, this news coming out last night. The charges under seal um, and have been uh, they've been investigating him apparently for months, sifting through apparent campaign finance irregularities. Uh, Santos political opponents, no doubt, are seizing on this, demanding that he resign even before these charges are laid out today. Here's Robert Zimmerman, who was the Democrat who ran against Santos uh, last year, and Nassau County legislator Josh Lafazin, who would like to go to Congress himself. George Santos has shown himself to be a sociopath. Now it's incumbent upon Kevin McCarthy, the Republican leadership, all to join together and demand that he be expelled from Congress. And if they don't do it, 
then they are as guilty as he is. George Santos needs to be indicted tomorrow. Republicans and Democrats need to come together, quite frankly, to save the integrity of democracy and to send this fraud packing into retirement. Well, you know all the deal. The New York Republican admitted to lying just about everything during his campaign. Voters in his district say they're curious to see what these charges are all about today. Well, I'm glad he needs to be gone. That's that's my opinion. It's about time. I mean, then the system works. What else can he ask for? He's found guilty, then he should be, he should resign. Anybody that's found guilty of a crime that's in politics should resign. But everybody's proven innocent until proven guilty. And House Speaker Kevin McCarthy thinks that's the case. He'll wait and see as well before making any moves. So I think in America you're innocent until proven guilty. But what, what we've watched in past behavior here, too, when there was another member indicted, I removed committee. I never put Santos on any committee. That member did get not just indicted but was found guilty. I told him he had to resign. I would keep that same with any member here, whether you're a Republican or a Democrat. Santos expected to appear in court as early as today where those charges could be unsealed. Of course, keep it right here. 77 WABC will have it all and the reaction to it all all day long. 554, let's go out to New Jersey. Drivers from the tri-state have a month to give their opinion on the MTA's controversial congestion pricing plan. To make sure the Department of Transportation hears the voices of the hardworking middle-class commuters who will be forced to pay this absurd $23 a day, $5,000 a year congestion tax. By the way, there's a lot of people who would say those public hearings are just nonsense. New Jersey Congressman Josh Gottheimer there says the MTA knows its plan is disastrous, not just for drivers, but the environment and traffic patterns. The MTA agency has already allocated more than $130 million, they say, to anti-pollution initiatives in the outer boroughs in Nassau County. Uh, Gottheimer says traffic will be even worse. Lincoln Holland tunnels along with the George Washington Bridge if they do this, which they say they want to do as soon as next spring. If they are serious about getting cars off the road, they would spend every single dollar from this project on the expansion of the seven line. But I guarantee you they will not take that into consideration. Yeah, uh, we'll have to wait and see. New guidance out today says most women should begin screening for breast cancer at age 40 now. The U.S. Preventative Services Task Force, a group that guides insurance policies with its decisions, says women with average risk should be screened every other year between the ages of 40 and 74. Before, task force recommendations suggested that women should begin screening at 50 unless they had higher risk factors. But with higher rates of breast cancer among women in their 40s, the last task force chair said there's more value in screening at younger ages. I'm Mark Mayfield. And this is just a downright nutty, crazy sort of story. After her husband died last year, 33-year-old Corey Richens wrote a book on grief for her kids to help them get through it all. She actually even went on tour to try to sell copies of this book. Now she's been charged with murdering her husband. Richens arrested this week, accused of poisoning her husband with a lethal dose of fentanyl at their home. This was in Park City, Utah. The murder charge comes months after Richens' self-published Are You With Me book. This illustrated story book went on sale. She went on TV to even promote it. It's just comforting to them to know that they're not living this life alone. Like, Dad is still here. It's just in a different way. I mean, you don't get any more sick than that. Prosecutors allege Richens called authorities in the middle of the night 
in March 2022 to report that her husband was cold to the touch. She told officers she made her husband a mixed drink to celebrate him selling a home. She then went to soothe one of her kids to sleep in the next bedroom, and she said she later returned to find her husband unresponsive. But now uh, she has been arrested in his murder after writing that book. I mean, you can't make that stuff up.